Alright Raiders, Laura Gargar here, also known as Reduction Raider. Hope you've all had a good week. So our next guest is a dear friend of mine. We're food friends. Because you know, you've got friends and then you've got food friends. I can actually pinpoint the start of our friendship with food. We started working together over 20 years ago now. And and when she just started there, I remember thinking... Who is these happy-go-lucky American bouncing around baking people cookies? <laughs> you know, sort of, I didn't have friends that were baking people cookies, you know, this was alien to me. But I am forever grateful that I can now say, since then, I have had a friend that bakes people cookies. She's been a huge inspiration to me and taught me so much in terms of kindness, thoughtfulness, compassion for others, self-acceptance whilst growing, developing and progressing. I'm really honoured that we have been on food journeys with one another and this journey that we call life. So without further ado, let me introduce you to my across the pond roomie, Elaine Entenza. Hey, dude. Hey, buddy. What's going on? Oh, so nice to speak to you. I know you too. I, I'm sad we only have podcast time to talk. We need like a day or a week to talk, but this shall do to start at least. This shall do. And so to give the Raiders sort of, um, well, a bit of an insight into who you are. I've already told them that we're friends, but I've not told them much about you. Oh, okay. I'll do, I'll do my best. Uh, Hey Raiders. I love that you're all called Raiders actually. Um, So yeah, I'm Laura's friend. Um, We met via my uh, profession, fitness. Um, I moved to England many, many moons ago and I was a fitness instructor and still am now focus a lot more on Pilates. Um, Yeah. So I teach Pilates I always feel like this question of like, tell us about yourself. And we're so focused. It's like one of those philosophical lore questions a little bit. Like, <laughs> I, I am a mom, but I'm also the universe, you know? <laughs> yeah, completely, completely, absolutely. It's like, but, tell me who you are. Is that an existential question? Yes, exactly. Yes, that's exactly it. Like you start to do like, oh, I'm the, per-, you know, you do. I don't know if you're told that, but it's like you start to answer like professionally. And then it's like, no, but who are you? And you're like, ah. Oh. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, as far as the, the nuts and bolts of a, of a resume or whatnot to answer, it's like, okay, so I teach Pilates. I love Pilates. I am a mom of two awesome humans, uh, Manny and Nettie. They're almost five and almost three. I am the wife of my wonderful husband, Adam. I And then there's all the hats, right? So I run the household. I make the coconut milk. I fill the car up with gas. So I'm the, the caretaker of the car. You know, it's like I have a duck. So I'm a duck owner. I, and I like to write, you know, I also like to hike and I like sunsets and margaritas. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I love that. And I didn't actually know that you was making coconut milk. So I need to know about that. I didn't oh, know yes. you was doing that. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I'll tell you all about the coconut milk. <laughs> And you are the CEO of Pilates Brevard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, I am the, the president, CEO, COO, CFO, and all, all the co's. Yeah, I, um, I have a little, very small, but super functional little business, Pilates Brevard. And um, when COVID came around, um, basically shut down all the in-person training and... Um, I had some online training experience from the past. So I got everyone connected and we're literally connected through Zoom. And we um, do Pilates classes about four or five times a week now and starting to see people again, actually in my house. I have a little studio set up downstairs. Um, But yeah, Pilates Bavard, president is present in this I'm here. <laughs> Amazing. And I have been to a class in person and I'm coming to a Aww. virtual class on Wednesday. I'm excited. 
I know. I'm excited. Did you get your magic circle? No, dude. I will okay. order. <laughs> I get will order. I will you. order that. <laughs> 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 I'm being held to account. I will yes. order my mail. <laughs> readers, you hear it first and foremost. Laura's getting her magic circle. <laughs> I'm going to order my magic circle. Okay, perfect. <laughs> um, so now we know who you are in the universe. Absolutely. What's your current relationship with food? So my current has always been, it's like, I love food. I just love food. Um, I feel, um, I turned 42 yesterday, so I have had 42 years of a food journey, right? So my journey has brought me to this point where I feel like I have a really kind of, I would call it a balanced relationship with food at this point where I don't like have a lot of anxiety about food anymore. Um, what I'm eating, what I'm not eating. Um, but I honestly think that's at this point, such a, like it, it was an evolution to get to this point where food is a feedback mechanism for me, as well as a source of like pleasure and enjoyment. So, um, it's like this homeostatic experience where, I'll be eating pretty, what I would consider balanced, in which case I'm not feeling overly full or bloated or exhausted from the food choices I've made. But then birthdays creep in, celebrations creep in, and all of a sudden there's definitely a lot more food and treats and sugars and things that I don't really get along with anymore per se. Um, So I'll enjoy those things, but then my body starts to not enjoy it. And then therefore I have to make some different choices. So yeah, I feel like I have a really good relationship with food right now and a very balanced relationship with my food. And so, you know, you said that it's been, well, a journey of 42 years with food. How do you feel that your current relationship has changed from your past relationship with food? <laughs> so it's like eras, I think, right? There was, well, there's like you're born. So I don't remember that stuff, but like, from when I first tried like sugar and candy, I would call it maybe the sugar years from like three to 28. (laughs) To 41. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Um, No, actually I would say I take that back. So like, I remember in high school, I started like getting into like fitness a bit. And I, that's when I like discovered what was going on at that time, right? And what was going on at that time, because I'm old, is like the carb diet was the way forward, right? So nothing had fat. Everything had fat. I'll never forget. Like we had these can- these uh, things in our pantry called snack wells, right? So they were <laughs> – it was basically like sugar cookies, uh, chocolate, sugar cookies, but they took the fat out because they figured out how to do that, right? So you were eating these snack wells and you were feeling great, and I felt great because there was sugar in it. And so I would eat these snack wells. So – that was still part of my sugar years, but that's when I became aware of calories and food labels, right? So I started looking at food labels. And then I went through what I honestly feel most girls go through is heavy, hardcore disordered eating, you know? And I got really, and that was triggered by, I was working at, I got a job at Barnes and Noble, a bookstore here in the States. And um, I was assigned to like the health and wellness section which I I attribute my whole career to because I shifted from a teaching profession career uh, path to fitness. But anyways, when I was was kind of assigned to that section, I really was into all these nutrition books. And then this was the shift where we no longer hated fat. The world and the doctors and everyone all of a sudden were hating carbs. So this was like Dr. Adkins. This was your sugar busters diets. And I remember looking at those books and being like, why is this, no offense, God rest your soul, Dr. Adkins, but this overweight doctor is telling us not to eat carrots and he's sitting in front of a plate with a burger and bacon and a slab of butter on top and he's telling me this is good for my heart, you know? So like some part of me was like, uh, okay. But alongside that information that was now coming out where my questions were starting to grow and I started really looking at my own diet and then emotional stuff was going on in my life. So I started really restricting my food, lost a bunch of weight, felt really amazing, super proud, and was obsessed with the scale and obsessed with my calorie intake, right? So that was an era. Um, And then after that, like I started 
really wanting to have the relationship that I actually now have with food. I remember finding this book. It was called The Tao of Eating. And it talked about having this relationship with food. And I was like, I was still working at Barnes and Noble, by the way. So totally all into those books about eating. And um, I explored so many different things. But when I read that book, I no longer have the book. I gave it. I feel like I maybe, dude, did I give it to you or did I send you one? <laughs> like, I haven't got it, dude. I promise. I mean, <laughs> yeah, and no accusations to be had here. I just am like, who would I have shared that book with? I bet I would have shared it with Gaga. I want that book back. <laughs> I want, here's your two things now. You need to get your magic circle and you need to send me my book back. ASAP. I've been lost without it for 23 years. <laughs> okay. Sorry. No, I know you don't have it. But anyways. <laughs> you still sound suspicious. <laughs> I... <laughs> I'll have to check in with my internal gut and see how I feel about this relationship with you in this book. Um, anyways. Um, but yeah, so the book it basically, dude, like described something I never thought was achievable because it was like it literally like the message was listen to your body. And I was like, I can't, what do you even mean by that? Who's going to tell me what I need to eat? Like I need a lesson. I need a diet plan. I need, I need to have nose. Okay. And this, <laughs> this is going to sound, I don't mean for this to sound flippant. Right. But I'm just like, it, I'm, I'm just being honest here. Like I remember at one point wishing I had diabetes so that I couldn't eat sugar. Do you know what I mean? I needed that sort of restriction. Like I literally was like, I bet if I had diabetes, I'd have a really better time, like, managing my sugar cravings. Do you know? I'm like, how sick is that? Like, I, I couldn't even grasp the thought of listening to my body. I needed... But you know what, dude? I think actually so many of us, you know, I think that plays out for so many of us in different ways, you know? Yeah. Like, because I do sort of think even, you know, like... I mean, this is anecdotal, but even now you sort of get a lot of people like, well, no, I can't eat gluten. And you think, well, yeah, you probably can eat gluten, you know, yeah. like, so I, I, and, you know, and obviously there's people that genuinely can't eat gluten, but almost like I think they're down to become external labels that enable us to restrict. So whether it's, I have to be gluten free, you know, I mean, I am vegan, but almost sometimes I'll be honest, there's times where I sort of think, oh, it's good. So I don't have to make so many choices, you know, so I think it's oh, almost absolutely. where we're almost looking for external controls and cues. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's, it's absolutely like a facet of food. Here's the thing with food. Like when I, when I realized I didn't want to, I wanted to be in like fitness and nutrition for a career. I actually transferred to a school to study nutrition. Um, and it was one semester in, and here's what I realized. I'm like, you know what? I don't want to tell people what to eat because and at that time in my mind, I was like, the only job you can do with food is be a nutritionist, you know, and like tell people, give people food plans. It was like this, like epiphany or self-realization or all the things, all those things in one that was like, it's not just food. It's never just food. There's always emotions around food. And I'd almost want to get a psyche, like a psych degree well before getting a food degree um, because of, of what you're, what you're talking about. It's like, uh, anything, even intermittent fasting, none of it's bad, by the way, anything I say that like is an external restriction that you give yourself, it's like boundary creating. Right. And like, I work with kids and like a big, Oh, I forgot to say that in my, who am I? I uh, teach at my kid's school two days a week. And it's all about, it's Montessori based and we create these boundaries and kids at a very young age need boundaries to understand how, how they exist in a sense and where their world is. And I think with food, Oh, I mean, I literally could talk for a lifetime about it because there's so much there and there's so much confusion. I love the book Omnivore's Dilemma because it's like, I get overwhelmed. I told you this, like even going into like Cold Stone back in the day, don't have me build my own. I'm too overwhelmed with all the choices. Like, just tell me what you want me to have. I just don't care. You know what I mean? It's just like, yeah. so you need to create these boundaries. We all are like creating these boundaries for ourselves in this world of food because I'm not going to swear on your podcast, but how the freak are you like? You're supposed to navigate this world. You know, there's so much information from the science world who, by the way, study things in a very isolated sense a lot of the time. Um, gluten is a great example of this. Like, I can't eat gluten. Well, to me personally, I believe a lot of emotional stuff exists within us and we start processing a response to things that are processed 
uh, in an unhealthy way. Like there's some healthy existences that have gluten in them that might not affect you that way. But gluten has gotten the title because in a lab it was shown that gluten causes this or might do this. So yes and no, there's truth there, but it might not be a truth for everyone. But it's just, oh, dude, it's just like the journey is never ending, man. <laughs> I love that. The journey is never ending. And I, I thought sh- you might like that. Yeah. <laughs> said that for you <laughs> you know me too well I, you know, because, <laughs> because the journey is never ending and it's sort of like you know as you're talking about your own journey and obviously I've not known you for birth but it's been the sort of <laughs> it's been the last 20 something years yeah. and you know and so I sort of feel like whilst you've had your journey like with food and life I've had my journey with food and life I sort of feel like you know, there's been food as a journey within our friendship and, you know, and actually whether you've always realised it or not, you've been at some really pivotal points in my food journey. And I remember sort of, I think I was maybe um, about 22 or 23 <clears throat> at this point and definitely sort of on that disordered um eating spectrum then and sort of overtraining and you know and it was yeah and I remember uh, you were training me in the gym and I kept saying to you about I wanted to lose this half a pound and I kept going on and on about a half a pound and you said well you know what if I was to put you on this half on the scales and told you and didn't show you the scales but told you you'd lose the half lost a half a pound how would you feel and I'd be like well I was ecstatic and you was like but how would you know, you know, like I could tell you, <laughs> tell you anything, you know, like how would you know? And it was just strange because at that time I was just sort of thinking, what's this woman not? Doing? <laughs> <laughs> I want to lose half I don't know about her sort of magic acts or she's going to tell me I lost a half a pound I didn't lose a half a pound I want to lose a half a pound you know and it's sort of like and at that point it was just I was sort of really in this dogmatic um state that I couldn't on some level I could hear you and I must have heard you on some level because it stayed with me and you know and actually it was sort of part of my sort of changing and sort of having a healthier relationship but in that immediate I couldn't really hear you know it was like my subconscious knew what you was getting at but I wasn't really um hearing it and it was um yeah and so you know so you was definitely pivotal in that and other conversations around that time and you know, and I remember you sort of buying the book for me, and it was 2013. Um, was it the Tao of Eating? <laughs> <laughs> Not that book. Okay, okay. Just checking. Just checking. <laughs> it was, um, <laughs> five Ingredients, 10 Minutes by George Clancy. Oh, gosh, and, that one. Yes, of course. And that book was, <laughs> it was amazing because it was sort of like a couple of years after, I, you know, I was sort of really into buying yellow stickers and started to cook. And it was just a brilliant book for me as somebody that was relatively new from cooking from scratch with lots of cheese and and not just the cooking, but it definitely helped in terms of sort of independence and thinking creatively mm. about food. Um so, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I've gone off onto a bit of a tangent, but I guess I'm sort of, well, yeah, well, I guess I'm just sort of just echoing what you said and it, it doesn't end. Well, I think here's, it's so interesting talking to you about this because you're bringing back so much like of like my memories through the years of working with people, right? Like I'm thinking of clients and experiences. I mean, I've been in this, you know, since that day in Barnes and Noble being assigned to the health and wellness section, 20 plus years have passed. And it's just like the relationship we have with food, by the way, like in Ayurvedic studies and in, I would imagine a lot of Eastern studies that food is like the body, right? And then you are what you eat is a very true statement in a sense. And our bodies are these little material uh, examples in a sense of what's going on at any given time in either in our environment, internal, and also our external environment, right? So there's a lot of theories out there that as the planet becomes depleted, so does our 
the, the prana or the energy of our food, right? So that is such a, a deeper evolution of me realizing 20 years ago that God, there's psychology behind food. Do you know what I mean? And the psychology behind the scale alone, when you mentioned that, I say this often, and I've probably told you, I've told many friends and clients, there's a, a cartoon I'll never forget, a little girl, it's like a drawing of a little girl and her friend, the one's about to step on the scale, and um, the other girl throws her arms out and like stops her, like, don't step on it, it will make you cry. Yeah. And it's like, like, the, the, and I, it was like, and I also remember entering the personal training world, right? And I, I very much remember this moment where I'm like, I can be in this job and go one of two ways. I can go the very Florida personal trainer, not insulting anybody here, but it's a common thing, like plastic surgery, make my body never age route. Uh, there's a huge pressure of that in certain cultures, especially in personal training to like never get old. Okay. Or don't go that way, basically. <laughs> and it was like, and there was just these behaviors over the years that I noticed that women, like in particular, men too, they have their own set of pressures. But I trained a lot more women than I did men. And the women pressures were always about weight um, or often about weight. Um, I remember training women and they would spend the session wishing they were other women in the gym. Um, I remember bringing this point up in spin classes or whenever, you know, and like, I started to really get quite a deep uh, and even deeper questioning of like, what is happening here? Like, how can something that weighs bone and, and weighs skin and weighs muscle and weighs fat and not to mention the liquids in our bodies and our organs, like our heart, that number will make or break someone's day. And it just, and so that was probably gleaning a little bit in our, in our conversations, like when you were training all those years, because I was really starting to question like the psychological aspects of weight. And then with food, holy bejeez, you've picked a great thing to have a podcast about because you have a lifetime of guests, you know, like you have a, you have a lifetime subject here. And like our journey is, is our own journey. Right. And you mentioning like maybe having heard me at that point, but you weren't ready to even recognize that I wasn't crazy for suggesting that. I felt that with that book that you stole from me is like, <laughs> the... <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like, I was reading this when I was like 20 years old. I was 105 pounds, by the way, and I'm five foot four. You know what I mean? I was like shivering in Barnes and Noble because I'm not eating enough food, feeling very proud of myself, reading this book, wanting whatever it was talking about, like listening to my body, I was not listening to my body. I was listening to my mindset that needed boundaries to begin my journey or to continue, right? To continue my journey with food in this world that is so, again, I won't swear, freaking overwhelming in so many ways. So yeah, it's been a long journey. I realize how long the story could actually be, um, but I'll stop there. <laughs> yeah, and it's, you know, and I liked what you said about almost... Um you know sort of there's something about food that sort of sort of relates to our external world as well because actually yeah. sort of when I think back to that time sort of um in my early 20s at the gym actually sort of my external world was feeling very out of control you know there was yeah. um stuff going on at home within my family you know it and you know food becomes something that was so easy to control and I guess as well almost what happens is there's sort of people around you that will also <clears throat> endorse and support these behaviors oh yeah. I, there's a community for everything and like I will I'll put it out to you raiders like I'm acting like they're my raiders Laura sorry you uh <laughs> Laura's raiders um, still, well like, states you can have the stateside raiders Oh, sweet. Hey, I, uh, another subject for another day, but we have a go grocery outlet here. All yellow sticker. All, they don't even put yellow stickers on things because they're all items that are on sale. But uh, so I'll find my raiders here, but I digress for all of you raiders out there. Just like look back at your own food journeys. I love that you call it that like a food journey. Um, and just start to look at when you did want more control over your food. You know, like I put that out there. Just, just start to be aware of how your life it's like railroad track sort of coincides alongside parallels what you're eating. Like what is going on in your life and what are you eating? And now 
there's probably a lot of us that like, if we haven't even become aware of food, which if you're listening to this podcast for the first time, welcome to this world of food and the journey of being aware of what you're eating. It's like, there's like, <laughs> Laura, food is life. Like, <laughs> food, it just is like, like, like start to pay attention to what you're putting in your body. And it's like this entry point into awareness, right? Like I love teaching Pilates. For me, it's like this entry point into awareness through movement. Like how do we move our bodies? And, 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 what are you feeling about that? Okay, cool. You just now opened up this window of awareness. And food, I would say that would be another area in my book. Like pre-sugar was like pre, who's even paying attention to what I'm putting in my mouth era? Like I just ate whatever was there, you know? And, um, and then you, you start to develop this awareness. Okay, that's your first, it's like you first, you're meeting food on a first date. Like, oh, cool. Nice to meet you. I'm now starting to pay attention to you in my life. And then, and then it's from there, right? And so- if you haven't been aware of food, become aware of food and then start looking at your life next to what you're choosing to eat. If you even realize that's a choice, some of us don't, and, and go from there and, and just see, you know, a, a little experiment for you. Try it out. Yeah, and I guess that sort of really sums up what you were saying around, um, did you call it sort of food being feedback as well? Yeah, Or, or right? your body giving you feedback. Yes, and what's crazy is what I realized is even though I've had Many like I would say Ayurveda was really a, a game changer for me in becoming aware of like how to develop this relationship with food that isn't something I'm bound like I finally feel boundary free or because the boundaries are self induced in my body or self um, regulated. My body doesn't want to do this stuff. No matter how much experience I have with that, I can still override it. Like even the past couple of months, I've just been busy and excited and these energies that are exciting like. I love being happy. I love being filled with joy. But even that, and it sounds silly, but that can get to be too much to where I recognize the old patterns of eating come into play where I'm not paying attention to what I'm putting in my mouth because I had a joyous childhood. So that's my journey, right? Not everyone's is the same. No one's will be the same. But I had a joyous childhood. Food always represented joy and fun. But guess what? My body does not think a pack of Oreos is fun anymore. Do you know, I don't think it ever felt a pack of Oreos was fun. So, but I never listened to it, you know? And so that's the thing. It's like, I can still to this day override the feedback loop because of happy emotions that I want to feel at all times. But eventually my body starts to feel now it's like, it's a sluggish thing or like a, I actually feel nauseous from three days of whatever, do you know, or having sugar back in my diet consistently and, Again, if you had told me 20 years ago that sugar would not be in my diet consistently, I, I would have punched you or just laughed at you. you know I, mean? I would have done something to be like, you're insane. A part of me would have heard that, though, and wished that to be true. Again, I wished that I had diabetes at one point in my life. So there you go. Like, it's a crazy thing. <laughs> it really is. It really is. And I guess as you were talking as well, I was sort of... Um... Well, I was thinking about, you know, food waste and, you know, and I mentioned that book and that's sort of been in the early years of me buying yellow stickers. And I guess I sort of was thinking about what was um, happening for me then and I guess my external world. So, you know, I think there was something around um, I was living alone. So I was sort of mm. living independently. I was having to start to cook for the Real, for the first time even though I'd lived alone when I was at uni you know I never really cooked so this was sort of the first time yeah. I was like living as an adult and taking on sort of more responsibilities and you know and I guess initially sort of what the yellow sticker symbolized was a way of getting cheap food you know that was the initial immediate yes. thing but I think almost <clears> sort <throat> of where it grew and I guess where it's still sort of such where it's just become a staple of my life since is because it then sort of led to creativity around food and in the kitchen and it sort of helped me in terms of confidence and independence and you know and just led on yeah. to so many different things like the blogging and the writing and the podcast and you know so I guess it's um yeah that that sort of helped me to grow as well and so I suppose I was just wondering uh, you know you mentioned the shop I forget the name already um so do I oh Barnes and Noble no no the shop with the, the reduced food shop 
oh, go grocery outlet. Yeah, go grocery outlet. And so I guess as you was like talking, I was thinking about sort of yellow stickers and what they've meant for me. I suppose I was wondering about um, well, food waste for you and what you do well in terms of food waste. So it's such a good question because again, there's such a change over the years, right? Like now basically we make food and we try to use every part of the food. (laughs) So like, for example, coconut milk. So coconut milk is made very similar to almond milk sands, the soaking time of almonds. So, and you'll find this in Leah Webb's cookbook um, recipe. It's very simple. Nice. Um, two cups. She was yes. the episode before you, the episode yes, a week yes. before. A little bit of shout out to Miss Leah Webb. Um, brilliant person. Um, yeah, so basically, great. two cups of shredded coconut, uh, four cups of hot or warm water, blend it, blend it, right? Then you strain it. So you end up with milk and then you end up with uh, coconut meal. Now, there's recipes for coconut meal. Coconut meal is basically a dried out, <laughs> desiccated, crumbly meal that um, my husband and I have just been playing around with the recipes to see what works with it, you know? So it's like, why waste that when we cook? I think you guys call it a jacket potatoes, but you know, we bake sweet potatoes. Um, we don't really eat the skins. Um, we save them and then we bake them and then we have chips, you know? So like, and then Adam, my husband, you know, we are not vegans, but, um, you know, if he makes chicken, he saves the bones and makes a stock out of it, you know, like it's so when it comes to actually what we're using and consuming, or like play a little game now. It's like, what can we make out of this? Okay, there's a bunch of leftovers. They're about to go bad. This is where I love cooking, actually. Um, what's about to go bad? We've got to cook this today. Let's make something awesome out of it. Do you know what I mean? So that's always fun for me. It's like a game, really. Yeah, and I think that's a really great tip, actually, that people can use in terms of sort of thinking what's about to go bad. And I guess almost... um sequencing what you've got in the fridge so thinking about what is going to go off the fastest what needs using and concentrating on that first um yeah and I love the uh, basically using everything because I remember I forget which visit it was there's been many visits but on one of my visits we'd um I actually forget what we made but I I know that the peelings of potatoes you put back in the oven and you just put some olive oil on them and salt and pepper and they were gorgeous so we basically yeah. just had yeah like well I'd call them Chris you call them chips um <laughs> from the potato peels and they were amazing yeah and they just taste you know and it's stuff like that I mean again you could eat it's not like a thing you have to throw away a lot of people just eat the jacket in a sense right of the potato uh when it's baked but I don't know we tend to like it a little more as a chip now we don't have all the tools. I think a dehydrator might even work better, but you just pop in the oven, hope for the best and, and try and make them crispy enough to enjoy, you know? But yeah, it's, it's like, uh, again, to even think that I'm doing this stuff now or to realize I'm doing this stuff now is not where it was many moons ago. You know, it's like, I, I don't know. I just, I, I think that keeps coming back in the conversation with you as a realization for me, because sometimes when people hear that stuff, they're like, who the heck has time to make coconut milk or who has time to do this? Who has time to cook, let alone like make stuff with the stuff I should be throwing away, you know? And I just, I just throw it out there. Like these are all little small steps, you know, uh, to, to get to these points. <laughs> and you know what? And I think it's an important point. I mean, we're, and we're talking about journeys and we're talking about food journeys. And I think it's a really important point to stress because I think often what happens, especially in this sort of world of social media and the likes of Instagram, and you're seeing an immediate picture and image, but actually what you don't see is the journey that the person has been on. You know, like we're talking oh, about yeah. journeys that are sort of going back over 40 years and, you know, and friends to go back over 20 years you know so people have not you know people don't see that journey like you said how you get to the point where you're um you know making your own coconut milk well that's not something that you was necessarily doing at 23 or 35 or you know these things are um they're a transition aren't they and they're a journey and and like you said and I guess it's um it says something about the place and time that you're in but also the journey that's gone on before and you know, and I don't know why it keeps coming up, but when you've been talking as well, I was thinking maybe because um, I told you earlier that I've had this litter picker and I've been going litter picking. 
Yep. Do do you know what I remember? I can't remember how old I was, but I must have been. I was old enough to walk to school on my own, so I can't remember if I was like in junior school or secondary school. But I remember I'd been to the shop. We always used to go to the shop, me and my friends, on the way to school, and I bought a magazine. So maybe I'm guessing maybe I was about twelve or thirteen. If I was buying magazines, perhaps I was a teenager. And... I love how it's progressing. You're like, actually, this is last week. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> great. And I got this magazine and there was something within the magazine, you know, maybe like a pamphlet or leaflet that I didn't want. And I just threw this on the floor, you know, with no regard, no thought, you know, like I just threw it on the floor. And, you know, and I guess there was almost sort of something in that. I don't know if there was sort of a sense of bravado was sort of showing off to my friends, but also maybe sort of a lack of thinking about what happened after I threw it on the floor. You know, it was just sort of a case of... Yeah. I don't need that, you know, like I don't yeah. think I would, I don't think I would have even given it much thought. And this um, old guy picked it up and chased after me and gave it to me to put it in the bin. And, you know, and I mm. felt so shamefaced. And, uh, um, you know, and I mean, I never did it again. And it really yeah. stuck with it. And I'm not really sure what my point is. Um <laughs> But I guess I guess my point is something around our journeys and the place we are, and people don't always see that. So you might see me today, saying, yeah. yeah. So you might see me today, sort of with a litter picker, and people sort of I don't know might be thinking, oh wow, look at this sort of eco warrior, you know, into sustainability <laughs> doing well, you know. Or, but perhaps it didn't see the teenager that's throwing litter on the floor, you know. So I guess there's almost something about. Um, Remembering, you know, th- there's so many parts to us that go on and exist over a period of time. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, grow as well. And... Well, it's interesting that you say that. Yeah, because it's like this in, in my mind is sort of like this image, I guess. But basically, there's like this linear path, right? Like there's where you were back when you were two, seven or 38, whenever you got this magazine and threw the thing off the ground, <laughs> whatever that was, right? It was in your past. But like since then, you um, have become what someone maybe if they're driving by think you're this eco warrior, right? So that there was this linear journey. But then there's like at any given moment on that point, like you're here now, there's this like ver- like horizontal expansion of like all the emotions going on and the reasons you decided to do this. Like so there's this past that you're bringing along with you. And then there's the current moment where you're at. And then there's this huge future in front of you. And it's like, there's so many variables and I think it's neat to understand like the less we try to control. Um, I don't want to say like throw away all your boundaries, but like you start to realize like that whole thing, like not so much that anything is possible, but anything really is possible. Like back in the day you threw that thing on the floor. If you hadn't had that random experience with that dude, you might still be throwing stuff on the ground, you know, like there's all these variables that come into play to, to get someone where they are at a certain point. So I'm not so much like, making a pitch for people to not be judgmental, but good or bad, idolizing someone or thinking someone's done something wrong. Like we're all in this together. Like, and we all have a past and we're all somewhere very present and like have a lot going on at that present moment. So it's like, you know, even now, if you, you know, jump forward five years time and look back, there's going to be some evolution going on. I think it's kind of inevitable, you know, and completely just respecting that and just respecting that. And then again, food is such a, uh, like a picture of that or like an example of that as well. Like, again, if you, if you start making conscious relationship with, if you make a conscious relationship with food, you start to recognize it's a choice in any given time, what you're eating and what you're doing. And then you start to go deeper, right? Like now I'm at a point where like, I do, I want to grow food. I don't, I don't want to go to the shop and buy things in plastic. And that would have never been me (laughs) 20 years ago. Do you know, like convenience was key. So you know, we're all we're all somewhere. And <laughs> I, I guess, respect that. And I guess that sort of, you know, that nicely answered my next question, which was going to be, what do you want to do more of? So I take it sort of like the growing of your own food, buying less plastic. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, I also wear the hat of psychic. So I knew that question was coming. No, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's like it is. I, I, I think that's what it is. It's like I feel this like evolution of returning to a simple life because I always have questions about things that are not simple. I never understood, you know, I had those questions back in the day when I first started in fitness, like what are these, why are people getting, uh, I understand why people are getting surgery to change their bodies, but you're going to die. Like we all, this is the one for you, Laura. We're all going to die. Right? <laughs> like, 
like, why? And, and like, why are we fighting the aging? Pro- like, I, I'm one of those. I, I like the idea of of getting wiser, you know. And, and again, I'm a. I, I think it's it's great to feel great in your own skin. I think people should do things that make them feel beautiful. But I remember having these women like having their bodies cut open to like feel better. And I just, I had a really hard time with it. And I know it's such a controversial topic that I almost am hesitant to bring it up, but it really affected me where it was like, oh God, this seems like such a really invasive thing. And so complex when there's an emotion there that I think is hurt or not feel fulfilled or something, you know, and that has just carried over with food over the years. And, you know, you're a vegan. So like you've definitely, if not felt it, but like been involved in the community that choose to be vegan for the rights of animals and like this connection to animals and like, where am I buying my food? Like, it's just all connectedness. And I just realized the more simple I am, the more peaceful I feel and the better I feel in my body. So again, 20, 30 years ago, this was not me. 10 years ago, I wanted this, but I had no idea how to get there. And now I'm at a point where this is the next step for me. I want to grow food. I want I want to be more connected to things because when I'm not, I don't think it's good for me. Sometimes I'm not aware of it, but I, there's some sense at this point where like, I don't think this is good for me, you know? So, um, and that was a feeling that brought me through my fitness years, um, coming out the other side, not having to go under the knife to feel okay. Do you know? So I'm just, I feel like that's done me well, that this train of thought of questioning and, starting to listen to my body and it's what I, where I wanted to be. And now I'm here and I'm ready to move forward with some new growth, you know? Yeah, completely. Absolutely. Because I guess the difficulty is, you know, um, if we do sort of just focus on things, whether it's, you know, injecting something in our lip, you know, sucking something out of our stomach, you know, being yeah. preoccupied on that half a pound of the 20 something me was to actually, you know, sort of, what I was describing, it stops thinking, you know, it stops the sort of thinking, it stops the connection, it stops the exploration, it stops the feeling, you know, so you're, you're talking about um, sort of being connected and trusting your body and that being information, I was removed from it, you know, that like you said, that really what I was looking for was an external control and validation. Yes, yes, and like, and I think that's, where all of this was like a crux for me and, and a real learning point and a tipping point as a teacher. And it's like all I saw in these beautiful women were how beautiful and great and awesome they were. And it was like so heartbreaking when to me, like I, it's like I was like heartbroken that they felt they needed to do these things. But we all have to do these things. Like we all have to, we all have a relationship with control and we all have these things. And I, I think through that, I mean, I guess part of it was a judgment. It came from a sadness, but it was a judgment, you know? And so now it's like, we're, again, that respect, like everyone's in their journey. We all have these boundaries. We all have to draw these lines, you know? Um, and I, I have an acceptance with that. So again, I, I just, uh, like you were saying back in that time, you needed those boundaries too. And I, I just, I guess I don't want to have judgment on them anymore, you know? And I don't, I want people to really recognize there are human beings behind these choices and to accept it. You know, it's like, this is where we're at, you know? And, and that's something I've gone through. That's been part of my food journey is acceptance, right? Acceptance. And, and here we are now I want to grow some food. (laughs) Get rid of some plastic. (laughs) And so my last question is, dude, um, what changes would you want to see in the world in terms of food, food waste? I think, This was a game changer for me, and I think it's a simple game changer, um, is when I discovered composting. I was out in San Francisco, right? And this was not that long ago. This was, well, it is now because I'm 42, but it was like, I was maybe 32, so about 10 years ago, and I got a chance to visit out there, and they compost. So composting, for if you don't know what composting is, and I have a very elementary understanding of composting, but basically taking organic materials, so anything from food, food waste, literal food waste that we can't use in the kitchen or that you're not going to use in the kitchen, separating it from inorganic materials, plastics, if you're not recycling, whatever, all the stuff you put in the trash or the recycling bin, taking anything that came from food that's organic, and either you're in a community that has a composting program or you just 
ditch it somewhere, either in a compost bin outside um, or throw it back in the earth, like a compost pit. It, it, it is a game changer for emissions, like CO2 emissions from um, like landfills and whatnot. So when you have organic and inorganic material all mixed together, it's like the actual issue is the, the breakdown of the organic materials and how it affects the environment. So to me, that was just one of the most simple things. I'm like, oh my gosh, now here's the issue with it. Like my parents, um, they're probably going to listen to this. I love you, mom and dad. But uh, my parents in particular or other people, when you hold compost in your house, it can be stinky because it's a breakdown of food, right? So there's this messiness to it or the stink to it. But if everyone could maybe get over that a little bit, it's a huge part. <laughs> so that's like the littlest thing. It, and you even put a cap on it. It doesn't have to stink. Do you know what I mean? Like that to me, that's a simple thing. I would love to see less plastic. I would love to see less plastic in the world. Um, I just, I feel like those two are, are little steps, huge game changers, like no more plastic bags in the shopping malls, you know, like reusing bags and, and composting. Completely. Like actually in the London boroughs here, you can request a food waste bin from your um, council and you, oh, yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. You know, and do you know what, dude, when I discovered it, I was saying to the woman on the phone when I was ordering, like, so you have to order the food waste bin and they give you these compost bags and they collect it with your rubbish. And I was saying, listen, why don't you deliver these as a standard? You know, in the same way we get, um, you know, our recycle bags. So we have automatically recycled bags come out every week. You know, we should have these food waste bags and, you know, and bins. And she was sort of saying, well, you know, not everybody wants them. Um, and I guess, like you said, it's, yeah. it's almost sort of something. I'm not sure what is the um, sort of resistance to composting or the sort of food waste bins. Um, like you said, maybe it is the sort of connection with the smell or it's still being um, in your house. I'm not sure. I also do wonder whether there's something about um, that we live in quite a disposable world you know so often we can that is absolutely it i think you nailed it i think it's a it's it, it and i think I've, I've heard this somewhere you have to be exposed to an idea you might know this like with smoking cessation or whatnot it's like the idea has to come across your psyche like 21 times or 150 times i don't know arbitrary i'm just throwing numbers out there but there's a certain number where like something has to be introduced to you enough before you even think about it. And then there's this consideration point. Uh, it's like stages of change. That's like, purchase. there's a psychologist that had work on six stages of change. But all I'm saying is like composting, I never even really knew about it until I went to San Francisco. So like, I think it's like an education thing possibly, you know, and states that care about this stuff and in, in our country, you know, that promote it. California is absolutely one of those countries. And then there's other states that it's not even on the radar to begin educating their people about, you know, so it's getting on the radar, I think, part of it is too, you know. You know, and so I guess, excuse the pun, but something about planting the seed, really, you know. Yeah. Um, when it comes. I just love it. Oh, <laughs> not so much the puns, but what would you call, what would you call your things? Like, not cliche, but like, oh, like, well, pinnacle statements. <laughs> <laughs> that is generous. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's true. So yes, planting the seeds, Plant, absolutely. Planting the seeds, um, dude. I'm mindful of the time, and I know you are. Um, I appreciate that. Borrowed time, so I am going to let you go. But oh, do you know what? It's um, for partly selfish reasons. It's been so good to have you here and be. Oh, yeah chatting but also for selfless reasons because I think it's also so good for other people and the ragers to hear you here and chatting oh yeah and I have to say you like when I think of our beginnings of the friendship which might be another podcast for another day or not on a podcast depending on what you want people to know but <laughs> like it's like thinking of how you know I'm talking about this food journey that we all have whether you're aware of it or not like a relationship with food and what you've done with yours I cannot like commend you enough and like I feel like you should be beyond proud of yourself for like dude what you've done for people and like what you've done for yourself and like you're doing this podcast and it is going to help a lot of people and like just just having conversations about food and like there's so much to that as we've talked about as you'll always talk about and it's just like I think you're doing 
I just think you're doing a great job, dude. And I love you. Oh, dude, I appreciate that. I love you. You are a forever inspiration to me. Um, And, you know, and I'm glad that we are still on one another's journeys because it's not stopped yet, dude. We're still going. What final pinnacle statement, Laura? The journey still goes it, on. It, the journey said, but it's fun. Right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're on this journey, but it's pretty good, eh? <laughs> it's all right. We're not dead. Yeah. So you got to look at that. Yeah, yeah. We're on this journey called life, but it's not too shabby around here. <laughs> oh, God. I love it. Yeah. And you, that, that is a great note to end on. You are awesome. I love you so much, buddy. Thanks for having me. Love your, you, uh, dude. All right, talk to you later. What did Elaine call it, Raiders? Pinnacle statement. <laughs> One of the pinnacle statement came up when I was visiting her in Florida. And we'd gone to this um, restaurant together. I can't actually remember the name. She will... Um, We'll have to get her on again and she can remind me. So, but we'd gone to this restaurant together and it was really lovely food. I um, I was newly vegetarian then, I think, at that point. I don't think I was vegan, but we'd gone to this like place that sort of did plant-based raw dishes. And, and I think I was having this like pizza that was, you know, the sort of pizza that was made on like... Um, cashew base you know it was incredible we were just sitting there and we were sitting outside you know in the sunshine eating this glorious food and I just turned to Elaine and I said um food is life (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) yeah and we just cracked up and so yeah I guess that is one of our pinnacle statements and actually she had me a keep cup made it's got loads of lovely pictures of us from that trip and in big letters in the middle of the cupcake cupcake uh see where my mind is going teacup teacup keep cup (laughs) in the middle of the keep cup there are big letters and it says love and underneath it it says food is life and you know what food is life and food is love until next time raiders take care bye